Please be seated. Today we continue the Lenten sermon series about cultivating and letting go. As Pastor Brian has been reminding us, we often need to prune in order to make room for new growth. We have to let go of some of our old habits to free ourselves to develop new ones. And he's been using the lenses of a farmer and a parent to interpret some of the scripture passages. Today, I'm going to use a lens that's familiar to me through my work in international community initiatives. I'll explain more soon, but as founder of the Tandana Foundation, I work with communities in Ecuador and Mali on projects ranging from education and food security to healthcare and water resources. With this experience in mind, this scripture passage we just read makes me think about two very different ways of caring two very different ways of showing our care. Mary shows extravagant personal care for Jesus, and Judas judges her. But Jesus refuses to accept that judgment, instead showing openness to Mary's gift. Through my lens as someone who works in international community initiatives, I see Judas as arguing for an abstract, utilitarian form of care. In this kind of care, whatever is available should be sold and the money given to the poor, which is an abstract category. Nameless, faceless, destitute people, people we don't know, people perhaps we don't even see as fully persons like we are. There's a great tendency in charity to ignore the agency and the capabilities and the full personhood of the intended beneficiaries. Those with resources to donate may feel that they know what the beneficiaries need and that the poor can't make good decisions or don't see solutions to their own challenges. Whether or not we believe John's parenthetical note discrediting Jesus as a thief, the fact is that when we give in an abstract, impersonal way, we don't really know what is happening and what the results will be. It's clear, of course, that caring for the poor is not a problem. I mean, that's why John makes such a point to clarify that Judas isn't saying this because of a greater care for the poor. The issue at stake may be more in the manner of caring. Anthropologist Lisa Stevenson highlights the difference between personal care and anonymous care. In personal care, it matters who a person is, Whereas in anonymous care, it matters what the person is, what category, what population she fits into. In personal care, individual life stories and personal relationships are important. Whereas in anonymous care, procedures, rules, and categories define right action. Mary, in this passage, is demonstrating a very personal care. She's responding to her relationship with Jesus, paying close attention to who he is and showing him that she cares about him specifically. She's moved by great gratitude because he has just raised her brother from the dead. She's performing a gesture of affection and appreciation for someone who matters profoundly to her. When I was 18, I went to Ecuador as a volunteer. I lived with a host family in a rural community, and I taught in the local elementary school. Before I went, I had raised a little bit of money for side projects in the community. A fellow volunteer and I were teaching environmental awareness classes, and so 
we were thinking about environmental projects and we talked to my host dad about ideas. We knew that there was no garbage collection in the community and people often burn piles of trash which left charred plastic bags blowing around the community. And, and this was a problem we thought at the school as well because the school produced trash and it was burned right there and then there were ashes and, and bits of trash floating around where the kids would play. And so we had read about trash ovens and we thought that this would be a great idea to make a trash oven to solve this problem that we saw at the school. And so we built a cinder block enclosure, we dug a hole next to it where the ashes could be buried and we even made up a song to teach our students proper use of the trash oven. Well, for a while, my host dad would go up to the school and burn trash there, but none of the teachers or parents ever really took an interest in it. Pretty soon, it was just another pile of abandoned cinder blocks sitting there. However, after four months of volunteering in the community, when I was getting ready to return to the US, everyone was sad that I was leaving. People were asking me, when are you coming back? They were saying, don't forget about us. We're not gonna forget about you. And I realized that regardless of the value of the projects I had tried to undertake, the relationships that had formed between me and my host family, between me and my students and their parents were something very special. I mattered to my new family and friends and they hoped that they mattered to me as well. The trash oven conceived in the abstract as a good idea accomplished nothing. But the time I spent listening, paying attention, responding to particular people in the community grew into beautiful relationships. Eight years later, as I started a nonprofit called the Tandana Foundation, I kept that lesson in mind. In contrast to many development organizations, I insisted on taking a personal approach cultivating respectful relationships with community members and collaborating with them on initiatives that responded to their priorities. I cultivated deeper relationships with friends in Ecuador, slowly learning more about their lives and their priorities. I let go of the idea that I had solutions and of the notion that ideas conceived in the abstract could be applied anywhere to anyone. Around the time that I started this organization, I decided that I wanted to get to know another cultural world that was very different from those that I knew. And I decided to go to Mali in West Africa. I got in touch with a friend of a friend of a friend who lived in central Mali, and I emailed him asking what he thought about my idea of living with a local family for about four months and volunteering in some way. Well, he said, sure, you can come live with my family. So I said, okay, and I headed to Mali, having no idea whatsoever what I was doing. Um, and when I got there, uh, right away, people started asking me, what's your project? You know, they were so used to foreigners coming in with a predetermined project, like, we're doing wells, we're doing shallot gardens, whatever it is, and then local residents would, whatever the project was, whether they wanted it or not, they would say they needed it because they knew that they could get something out of it, even if it wasn't a useful project for them. And so um, they expected me to be the same way as, as the other foreigners they were used to with a plan already in place. So when I told them I didn't know what project I should do, that 
probably I should get to know the area and listen and find out what um, communities were already working on, find out what their goals were, what resources they had. People thought that was really neat, but they also didn't know what to do with me because it was so unusual. So finally, my, my host, who had invited me, arranged for me to visit the village where he had grown up. And he told them I hadn't come with a project, but I just wanted to learn about the village. And the evening after I arrived, representatives of the village association came to visit me and expressed their top three priorities. Their first goal was to repair and deepen a well that had collapsed. Their second goal was to create a grain bank to work toward food security. Their third goal was to acquire tools that would help them with the erosion control work that they did in their fields, with, which conserves soil and water and increases the harvest. And at the time, I didn't know at all how to help them with these uh, goals, so I just said, uh, may God help you with this. Uh, but um, I didn't want to raise expectations without having a way to fulfill them. But I had this idea that if possible, I would like to help with maybe one of these goals, like the well. And I um, found out about a grant opportunity for water projects. So I thought, well, water, this could work. And um, I worked with a young man who had grown up in this village and had experience in the development field. And together we wrote a grant application for the well project. And through doing that, I got to know the village a lot better and I learned all the details of this project and um, how much the village was willing to put in, how committed they were to making it happen. And we did not get the grant, um, but after I returned to the US, I was able to raise the money to make this, uh, to do this uh, project to restore and improve the well. And so the next year I returned to the village with this good news that the project was gonna happen. And when I arrived in the village, the celebration was unbelievable. That people were dancing and drumming and singing and shooting off rifles with gunpowder they had made themselves and uh, drinking coffee and tea and just having a good time. And maybe Judas would have told them that this celebration was too extravagant, but it was very meaningful to them and to me and to our relationship. Later, Tandana began to partner with another village that was even more remote. We collaborated with women in the village who wanted to create a cotton bank to have access to cotton to um, turn it into cloth and sell it to, make, to generate income. And when this goal became a reality, several women involved commented on how refreshing it was to be seen as capable persons and to be cared for in a respectful relationship. Yippee, what a good wind has brought us happiness this morning. Finally, thanks to the partnership with the Tandana Foundation, we are now recognized by the organizations that support development. Before this, we were lost and unknown to development partners, said Satalafia Samakan. Her neighbor, Kadia Samakan, added, we are now considered as women capable of generating income. Finally, they had been recognized as people with their own agency, abilities, and goals, and invited into a respectful relationship. And you, as KUMC, have been a wonderful to partner, partner to Tantana over the last few years. 
A couple years ago, you partnered with us to dig a well. I think we can get a picture of it up here. Uh, in the village of Wana. And in Wana, the only well before this was over a mile away from the homes. So women had to spend hours walking to get water. In certain seasons, when the water table dropped and herders brought livestock to drink from the well, it would run out of water. And then they would have to go even farther to another village to ask for water from another village. And so for years, they had been seeking a way to drill a new well right next to their homes. They had asked Tandana to help with this project, and we hadn't want to raise expectations until we had a way to do it, but we were looking for, for funds to, to be able to do this. And so it was wonderful news when the KUMC Outreach Committee decided to help make this well possible. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to us, UNICEF drilled a borehole in Wana and installed a hand pump to draw water. And from an abstract viewpoint, that seemed like a terrific solution. It provided clean water, and the hand pump required less energy than throwing a bucket into a well and pulling it up by hand. However, for residents of Wana, it was frustrating because the pump kept breaking down. And every time the pump broke, they had to call a technician from the city to repair it. They had to pay for expensive repairs. Sometimes they had to wait several weeks for the repairman to arrive. And so while the pump was broken, they couldn't access water at all. They still wanted an open well, which is what they had originally asked for. And so by partnering with Tandana, you respected their goal and their understanding of their own needs. You helped them dig an open well right next to the village. Residents brought the sand, gravel, and stones that were needed. They took turns working alongside the expert masons until the well was completed. And now they have a reliable water source very close to where they live. They don't have to worry about the pump breaking down and losing access. They can count on the well that they envisioned for their community and that you helped make possible. You're also supporting a scholarship for a student in Ecuador named Nicole Andrade. Nicole is studying art and she loves to share her talents to help others. Several years she has taught art classes in Tandana's summer school program for middle, middle school students. Recently she also led the creation of a mural at a school for students with disabilities. You can get to know her by reading some letters from her that were recently published on Tandana's blog. And this past Christmas, you also helped the Amayowo School in Bandiagara, Mali, start a school garden. Students are learning about gardening, they can do hands-on biology lessons in the garden, and the produce will not only enrich school lunches, but also the students can use it to earn money. There's a student leadership committee that will sell the extra produce to earn money and then use that money to buy school supplies for all the students. And now the outreach committee has decided that KUMC will help a women's association in Mali start a business. So Tandana has a women's literacy and leadership program through which uh, women form associations in their villages. And then they're invited to submit proposals to a business plan competition. So you will give one of these winning associations startup funding to get their business going, whether they are turning raw cotton into cloth, 
or dyeing with indigo, or raising sheep, or some other business activity. And today, I would like you to start, I would like to invite you to start cultivating a personal connection with women in this group. So after the service today, you can meet me at the, the uh, tall tables outside um, to write notes of encouragement to women in this group. And I have some phrases uh, in their language, Tomoso, that you can use uh, in your note to show them that you care about them enough to try to use their language and to respect their culture and their goals. So this will be a way to start cultivating a relationship with some uh, women in Mali who are becoming entrepreneurs. As we think about the story we read from John, I also want to look at Jesus' role. Here he is, someone accustomed to giving selflessly all the time. And here he's accepting an extravagant gift with grace. How many of us feel a lot more comfortable giving than receiving? Do you have a hard time receiving a special major gift or a special act of care? Both giving and receiving are integral parts of respectful relationships. Jesus has given an unbelievable gift to Mary and her family by raising Lazarus from the dead. And surely he did this without any expectation of receiving something in return. But Mary, out of tremendous gratitude and affection, chooses to anoint Jesus' feet with expensive perfume and to wipe them with her hair. And Jesus doesn't judge or scold her. He doesn't take away her opportunity to express herself through this extraordinary gesture. He receives it openly and gratefully. In the Quechua culture of the area of Ecuador where Tandana works, there's a concept called randi randi, which means something like giving, giving. It expresses mutuality, this willingness both to give and to receive. It means I'll help my neighbors when they're building a house, and I'll also accept their invitation to a party in honor of their child's baptism. So at Tandana, we've learned that this idea of randi randi is really important in our collaborations with communities. For example, we take healthcare teams to visit rural communities and provide medical, dental, and vision care. And when we do this, most often the communities provide lunch for us. They cook potatoes, fava beans, corn that they've harvested from their own fields and offer it to us in huge bowls. And it's really important to accept this lunch that's offered to us with gratitude, to eat as much as we can, and whatever we can't eat, take it home with us. Um, my, my friend, Estercita, who's a nurse uh, working at a local health center, told me about another medical group that had come and refused to eat the lunch offered by a community and how offended the, the residents were. Truly respectful care requires that we open ourselves to receiving what others offer to us, as well as giving what we feel moved to share with them. Perhaps the hardest gift for many of us to accept is that most extravagant gift that is God's grace. Last week in talking about the prodigal son, Pastor Brian pointed out how many of us either wanna feel like we, we have to earn God's love like the older son, or that we don't deserve it and just can't receive it like the younger son. But for all of us, it is a gift freely given and we just need to accept it openly. So this Lenten season, 
Let's cultivate an openness to receiving gifts and let go of the feeling that we can only give, not receive. Let's cultivate relationships of personal care, showing others that they matter to us and that we respect their goals for their own lives. And let's let go of, of an abstract sense of utilitarian duty and of the idea that we know what's best for others. Above all, let us open ourselves to receiving God's grace together. Amen. <laughs>